this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. So when it comes to church, are there certain topics, certain subjects that are kind of off limits that when you hear someone speak about them, you're like, uh, why are they talking about this? I don't know, like sex, politics, money, those topics that kind of make you cringe or maybe you roll your eyes and think like, seriously, what, what, what are you going to say about any of this? And you kind of tune it out. Well, today I want to talk about money about the reality of money, not only in life, but ultimately what does it mean for us when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. If you've just been joining us, we've been working through a series looking at Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And we've been identifying three critical questions. Who is Jesus? What is his purpose? And then what is my response? And we continue to come back to this invitation that Jesus gives to us. Two words, simple yet profound follow me. And week by week, we've been unpacking what does this start to look like. And so today, I want to look at what does it look like when it comes to our money, our finances, our stuff to follow Jesus. Because one of the things that I believe is that our belief must shape behavior. It's one thing to believe who Jesus is. It's one thing to understand and to believe what he has done and what that means for us. But is it shaping our behavior? Is it impacting the way in which we Live And so today, we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has and talk to someone about their money and about their wealth. And I want to caution us against just keeping it at arm's length or just not allowing it to really kind of begin to impact our lives as well. In many ways, I refer to this um, encounter or this teaching of Jesus as a hard candy teaching. Uh, we all have hard candies, right? We, we, we pop it in our mouth and we understand that If we don't savor a hard candy, we don't get the sweetness. If you just pop a hard candy in your mouth and you just chomp it, I mean, you could break a tooth. It could be unhelpful, but you fail to get the true sweetness that the candy has to offer. I think the same is true about this particular teaching of Jesus. It's a hard candy teaching that if you chomp on it too quickly or you dismiss it too quickly, you're going to miss the sweetness of what Jesus wants for you and for me. So, so hopefully you're going to carry with me. Maybe if you have a hard candy, you want to pop it in your mouth just as a visual reminder, as, a, as an example of, of just, okay, okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on this, Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention and, and linger through the end of this to see what this means for me. Because I believe in my own life, when it comes to money, when it comes to following Jesus, this is a game changer. This, this is such a key reality for me in life. Okay, so with all that said, let's jump into this hard candy teaching of Jesus. It comes in Mark chapter 10, and it begins in verse 17. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, 
how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But then Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers, sisters or mother or father or children or property for the sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem last important now will be the greatest then. Okay, so a lot happened there. But you see this situation where this, this, this man diligently seeks out Jesus. There's a sense of, of just anticipation and, and, and eagerness. He, he, he comes quickly to Jesus and, 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 and he kneels down. And what we find out later is that this is a man of means. He has incredible wealth. In, in other places, in, in other gospels, we're also told that he's a ruler, he's powerful, and, and he's also young. And so in many ways, from an external perspective, this guy's got it all. I mean, he's young, he's powerful, he's successful, he's wealthy. I mean, heck, you might as well tell us he's probably good looking as well. Clearly something is lacking because he comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives the response that would have been expected from any rabbi. He's like, well, you you know the commands of God. You see, up until Jesus, it was understood that you follow the commands of God, that that this was the way in order to, to be in a right relationship with God. And the man, like, excitedly, he's like, yeah, yeah, I've done all these. I've done all these things. I've, I've followed all the commands. I, I've not cheated anyone. I, I've not been dishonest. I, I've done everything right. And then we're told that Jesus looks at this man with a great deal of love. Because Jesus doesn't disagree. He sees this man. He's devoted to God. Yet Jesus says, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And with this, the man is distraught. We're told he's sad, and he's grieved, and he walks away. The disciples are like completely blown away. And then it's here that we see this interesting conversation where Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He, he, he actually goes on to say that, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So what is, what is going on here? Like, what, what is Jesus saying? Are, are, are we supposed to give everything that we have to the poor and go and follow him? Like, is that the teaching? I think it's much more than that. Jesus is landing in on one of the most sensitive subjects when it comes to life, when it comes to faith, money, finances. But if we go back to that premise of how does our belief shape our behavior, how does our belief in Jesus begin to shape our behavior when it comes to our finances? 
I think the key in order to understand what Jesus is teaching is in the dialogue between Jesus and his disciples. When he begins by saying how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, he says it's, 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 easier, it's easier for the camel to go through an eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom. And you're like, what? What is that all about? Understand, Jesus is using an exaggeration, a, a phrase to emphasis an incredible point. I mean, we, we do it all the time. I mean, if we see it raining really hard, we don't just simply say, hey, it's really raining outside. We're like, hey, it's raining cats and dogs. Well, someone who's unfamiliar with that statement would be like, what, what are you talking about? That sounds ridiculous. You're like, okay, we don't actually mean it's raining cats and dogs. It's just, it's a, it's a phrase. It, it's, it's an over-exaggeration to emphasize something that is happening. To put it in a more modern day context, Jesus could say it's so hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. They have like a snowball's chance in hell, right? We, we understand that. Like, it's not going to happen. What's interesting is then the response of Jesus' disciples. They don't say, yes, Jesus, we get it. We understand. Yes, yes, the rich, they have so much. How hard it is. We're, we're told that they're amazed. We're, they're, they're astonished. And this is where context helps. You see, in Jesus' day, the teaching was that if you were rich, if you were wealthy, it was a sign of a blessing of God. That if you were poor, if you were impoverished, then it could have been because of sin, but clearly God's blessing is not upon you. So understand the situation. Here is a man who is rich, who is wealthy, clearly an indicator of having received the blessings of God. And then this man confirms the fact that that he has been devout, that, that he has followed all the rules. He's not gained his wealth through dishonest gain. He has honored God. He has followed all the commands from the time he was very young. And yet Jesus still says, you lack one thing. And this is what would have thrown the disciples. They, they're like, well, then who possibly can be saved? And this, this is where we lean in. This is where we need to savor this hard teaching of Jesus. Because what Jesus is doing is he is identifying a blind spot that is often filled with wealth. And the blind spot is too often in life we we develop what I refer to as these functional saviors. That that yes, we may may talk about the importance of God and, and, and how our security is found in Jesus, but if you looked at our life, it isn't the case. A functional savior are the things in this world where we get our ultimate identity, we find ultimate security, and we find ultimate contentment. For many, it comes in wealth, or it could be relationships. You see, the point for Jesus in telling this man to go and sell all of his possessions, well, it was not that this is everything that everyone has to do, but he's basically asking the man, if you were to give away everything that you have, would I be enough. Jesus says, give it all away to the poor and come and follow me. Find your identity in me. Find your security in me. Find your ultimate contentment and joy in me. And we're told the man walked away. He, he couldn't do it. He, he was devoted to God. He, he, he wanted to inherit eternal life, but, but to give up the things of this world is his identity, his sense of self-worth, his, his contentment that's found in riches, that, that becomes too much. And it's here the disciples say, well, then who can be saved? Jesus is setting it all up for this point. Lock it in right here because this is the sweetness of Jesus' teaching. 
He basically says, you're right, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Here is the sweetness of Jesus' teaching. He is using this example of wealth to remind us that we get right with God, not based upon what we do, but rather through what Jesus has done. That that as good as this man was, as great as he followed the laws and the rules and, and as much wealth as he had amassed, it was never going to be enough. You see, humanly possible, we are not saved based upon what we do, but rather based upon the reality that we need Jesus in our life. And we believe that. But does it shape our behavior? Are we willing to give everything up, literally, in order to follow him? You see, when you think of repentance, when you think of recognizing your need for Jesus, repentance is not just simply about admitting the wrongs that we have done. When we've lied, when we've ripped off, when we've failed to be generous. The real important thing about repentance is when we repent of the good that we've made the ultimate. When we say we believe in Jesus, but we have all these other functional saviors in the midst of life. It can be wealth, it can be career, it can be relationship, that that our real identity is not found in Jesus. Our ultimate security is not found in him. Our, Our sense of contentment is not simply in our relationship. In the same way that Jesus asked this rich young man, he would ask all of us, if all of that were to go away, whatever it may be, would I be enough? It's there, it's there that you begin to see the reality of your relationship with Jesus. You see, this man couldn't do it. He walked away because he had great wealth. What about you? You you see, there's a sweetness, yet also a challenge in the midst of this encounter. The sweetness is is in recognizing that we are saved through the grace of God. It's in Jesus. That that ultimately is not about up to us. That humanly possible, no one can save themselves. It's a gift of God. But the challenge is putting this belief into practice, making this a behavior of living in a way that that we don't have these other functional saviors, that, that we don't take the good of this world and make them the ultimate. So what's our takeaway? Let me ask this one question. Do you live in a way in which Jesus is your everything? In which Jesus is the most important? Many places we could go, but for the sake of what we're dealing with today, let's talk about money. Because money can be a huge blind spot. Money can be a a huge idol. It's one of the great rivals in terms of our dependence upon Jesus. Because often we find our identity, we find our security, we we find our contentment in the things of this world. Jesus isn't saying, don't enjoy and get rid of them. He's just saying, don't make them the ultimate in your life. Understand, this is not just a one-off that Jesus speaks about. Next to the kingdom of God, Jesus speaks most about money and finances and wealth. Why? Why? Because they can have such a hook on our lives. Understand, Jesus didn't want this man's stuff. He wanted his heart. And in order to get his heart, he needed to remove the wealth that he had accumulated. 
You jump into the Bible and you see this incredible thread throughout the Bible, this, this, this important reality of being generous. I mean, have you ever wondered in the Old Testament why the people of God were told to take the best, the best animals they had without spot, spot, without blemish, bring it to the temple, and then not sell it in the marketplace and then give the money, but literally burn these animals, like, like, like make sacrifices. That, that seems so ridiculous. Why would you do that? Because God doesn't want our things to become the ultimate in the midst of life. You see, God builds in generosity, not so that we can impress God, but so that the things of the world do not capture our heart. I think one of the most important questions you can ask yourself as a follower of Jesus, when it comes to your wealth, when it comes to your finances, is this. What is your money doing to you? What is it doing to you? Is it drawing you closer to Jesus? Or is it pushing you further away? Is it an opportunity to be used to help build the things that are important to God? Or do you use it as a security blanket, as a, as a means to find your ultimate identity? A couple things to consider. Are you able to give large amounts away? It's a good indicator of whether or not you're truly stepping into a place of, of not wanting your wealth to become the ultimate in your life. Does not having enough cause a major sense of worry. Listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you not to plan or not to be, not to be wise, but, but do you constantly worry over not having enough? Do you constantly worry over the financial state of this world? And then the third one is this. Has money become your measure of success and identity? Do you look at what others have and wish you had more? Do you look at what you have and think you've done a pretty good job? Or do you simply see it as a tool to be used for the benefit of God? When Jesus offers us the invitation to come and follow him, it means we essentially say to Jesus, I give up the right. Jesus, tell me how to live. And one of the things that Jesus wants for us is to not allow the good things of this world to become the ultimate, but to truly depend upon him. So what about you? Is Jesus truly enough? It's one thing to say, but is it shaping your behavior? This week, this week, maybe this is a teaching to savor. Maybe this is a teaching to think upon. I get it. I get it. It's, it's so easy to say, forget this. This is ridiculous. I'm moving on. But the sweetness of a hard candy comes in time. And will you give God space to speak into your life? Maybe there's something specifically he wants you to do. Be open to it and begin to see that it's in our generosity as we become more detached from the things of this world, from the wealth of this world, we begin to experience more of the fullness of Jesus in the midst of life. And so don't bite down too hard. Savor it. Create some space. Allow God to speak into you this week. Because I know he wants the ultimate abundant life for you. And it's not found in pursuing the things of the world. It's found in Jesus. And so let me pray before we conclude. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for those that are watching today. That perhaps there are different circumstances in life who maybe they have a lot or they have little. 
I just pray that we'd be open to allow the work of your spirit to speak into our lives where we need to hear it most. That perhaps we need to repent not simply of the the wrong things we've done, but of the good that we've made the ultimate. And maybe for some, we've made money a functional savior. We find our identity, our security, and our contentment in it. Jesus, we want to come to you. And so help us. Allow us to be generous. Allow us to use the things of this world not to become the ultimate, but ultimately to serve you. For we ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, listen, I would love to continue this conversation. If you have questions, if you have pushback, if you have feedback, I would love to hear from you. Because one of the things that brings great delight, as I mentioned in the welcome, is when I hear how you are applying the teachings of Jesus into your life. So fire me an email. Let's see how we continue to grow and learn together as we follow Jesus. And so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious towards you. May the Lord look to you always and grant you his peace, his hope, and his love today and in all your tomorrows. Amen. today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispresb.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.